What's up, everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We're an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris. You might know me as Speech Dude. I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of the dynamic assessment of social-emotional learning, and I specialize in crafting neurodiversity-affirming IEPs through my online course. And I'm Jesse, a sensory integration trained SLP, owner of a top rated clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Communication Programs for Parents and Therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity affirming ways to support social emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Hello, everyone. We hope you're doing well. You can see all the toys behind us. We are in some construction at our office, and my room is the catch-all for every single toy, basically. They're all here. Yeah. So we are so excited. We have an exciting week ahead. We just... What we just presented that was last week, last end of last week. We just presented last week for Kansas, which was really fun. And then we fly out this week to Colorado to present at the Colorado Speech Association. We are all over the US. I'm this is great to do in person. I've fun. never been out to the Denver area other than the airport. So this will be a good experience. I can stop off at some fancy, uh, some dining out there. I was like, do you know the Denver Staples? They've got, going? they've definitely got an olive garden. <laughs> there we go. Every big city has an olive garden. A I staple. gotta get the, the breadsticks. They're great. <laughs> awesome. So we're really excited about tonight's topic. I say that every week. I should stop saying that. Well, we are always excited about every day's topics. And the reason is, is because when any topic comes up, doesn't matter if it's related to um, our line of work or if it's related to the news or if the topic is about sports with the kids. We enjoy topics because we can take a deficits-based language topic and switch it to a strengths-based topic, and that's why we enjoy them. Nice. You like how I did that? That was good. Yeah, we're able to say, you know what? The news sure did portray this situation to be the worst situation in the world. And then we will end up being able to try to look through some of the mud and uh, put our heads above that to see maybe some of the growth that can come from some of these things. So, Yeah. And tonight we really wanted to talk about a strengths-based approach and what that means and how we can make some seemingly insignificant changes to even the words we are saying, which can make a huge difference in the approaches we use, the way that we treat our kids, the way our kids feel about themselves. It's just so important. And first of all, I think there's confusion maybe about what a strengths-based approach means. Let's talk about what it means. Yeah. So we historically and still current day have documents set up that provide language that's built on deficits based. So the IEP reports, assessments, observation forms are really heavily weighted on saying, hey, what are these kids' deficits? What are what are the kids, the child's um, 
things that they cannot do. But challenges, they, not even challenges. It's really just basically deficits. And the reason it's framed as deficits is because they're comparing um, the abilities to a neurotypical developmental norm and neurotypical social norms. And so what might seem like deficits on the outside are in reality differences. And we've talked about that in episodes past. So I think that's one of the things that um, we really need to try to change and make the shift of our mindset is, you know, not viewing um, and using language that comes as a deficits-based language approach. And you're even bringing up a, the bigger picture idea of not comparing where kids should be to the neurotypical norm. Right, exactly. Yeah. So what is a strengths-based approach exactly? Well, let's talk about a deficits-based because it's very common to hear deficits. So deficits-based language paints the picture of what the child cannot do or makes it look like a deficit. So for example, oftentimes, but not always, we'll see somebody, um, we'll see a report or we'll see um, an, I an IEP framed such as um, student demonstrates difficulties with lining up cars instead of pretend play with the animals, right? Rather than focusing on the that not being a deficit, that's a different way of that child's particular play type, right? But we do see that quite often. Or um, child demonstrates difficulty with back and forth conversation exchange. They demonstrate deficits. They demonstrate social deficits with communicating with their peers. Okay, so th those are just some examples. One of them I used for um, younger children and uh, one of the examples I use that I see quite often in the high school. So a strengths-based approach is saying, hey, you know what? What are the students' skills? What are the students' abilities? What are the students' interest? And then we can build from there. So what we're doing is we're guiding because of our language of what the student can do. So for those two examples, that might look something like student finds joy in playing with their cars and uses their cars as a way to interact with their peers um, and shares their love of playing with the cars as a way to initiate conversation. Um, so it would be one example. So what we're doing is we're um, shifting it from a view of deficit um, lens to a strengths-based lens. What does that do though? That helps us get better, more accurate goals, right? Because if we're looking through a deficits-based lens, then we're going to be writing goals to target that. And by targeting a student's differences and telling them what they're doing is invalid, or by telling them who they are, um, they can't do that, um, is only going to lead to other challenging behaviors. It's not fair for the kid. And you know what? Honestly, the more and more I have these conversations in IEPs, um, the more the parents prefer strengths-based descriptions as well. Like, I think I've said this in a previous podcast, but 
the student's I can is far more important than their IQ. And so we talk about what can they do. And this isn't to say we're not going to talk about the challenges, right? Of course, we can have a document that says what are the student's strengths. They really enjoy talking about their passions. They build conversations and they build engagement with other students based on a common bond. They really um, find that if they're accommodated with having a routine and a schedule, it keeps their bodies regulated and their um, their um, prevents any kind of burnout. But also they might have challenges with being able to seek out the support needed. They have challenges when um, you know, X, Y, and Z. See, so I just discussed kind of like a strengths-based language approach and how we can also talk about the challenges because um, that's really the reality for all of us, right? We've all got some, some type of superpowers, but we've also all got kryptonite. And so we have to figure out what are some of the strengths and how the strengths can guide us so we cannot have as much kryptonite. <laughs> that was good. You must have stolen that from someone. Yeah, I did. A, I stole it from uh, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's a really important point is that just because we are saying use a strengths-based approach does not mean we are going to ignore the areas of, areas of support that the child needs. Of course, identifying areas of support is also very important. And the other thing that I always like to think about, and the, to me, the reason we use a strengths-based approach is so much greater than just, let's find the child's qualities and characteristics that are great and build on them. I mean, yes, that's important. But to me, it's so much more about the way that we talk about our students is going to affect the way that other people perceive them. And most importantly, it will affect the way the child perceives themselves. So, you know, imagine growing up constantly hearing, well, you're not good at that and you're not good at that. And you never got praised on all the amazing qualities you have or all the things you're really great at. You only had someone who was focusing on all of the things that you couldn't do and what that would do to your self-esteem. So it's so important for our emotional well-being to have our strengths built upon. And it also helps our kids to show them this version of themselves that they may have not otherwise seen if they didn't have someone give them those opportunities. That is like some Tony Robbins stuff right there. I'm going to call you Tony Robbins. That was great. Um, I, have a good, I have a good Tony <laughs> Robbins from there. Okay. Tony Robbins in his book talked about how when you build a table, you have got your belief, it's like the top of the table. And then all of the thoughts that go through your head are the legs. Or maybe it was like the beliefs are the legs and the truth to you is the table, whatever it is. The idea is that your thoughts are what support this belief. So whatever belief you have in anything, you have these different thoughts or opinions, these types of proof you've created in your mind or evidence to support that belief. And it's the same thing with speaking to our kids. It's 
the things that they think, the things that are going to go through their head are going to be the things they believe. And those are the things that they are going to take action on. And the first person to come up with that was who? Philosopher. Oh, gosh. I don't know. But you it's just told me this uh, like a few days ago. It's like ago. one of those uh, stoic things. Um, um, the why I, I'm drawing a blank, but his name begins with an M. You know, like the famous one, like from. I thought you were, it was Years like ago. Socrates. No, time. but it's, no, it was Marcus Aurelius. Oh, there, there we go. I said it began with an M. I was like, why is my brain not coming up with that? But yeah, so um, from, from a long time ago, but yeah, Jesse really nailed that. When we tell a kid, especially that's why when we are having social skills interventions where we're telling kids, hey, the way you communicate and your, st your styles are um, not the right way, you have to do it this way. What we're doing is we're telling the kid, um, we're invalidating them. We're guiding them towards, uh, you know, more anxiety because they're feeling more pressures on having to do these types of things rather than forming friendships naturally based on bonding and common interest and other people who share similar communication styles. And so, yeah, this strengths-based approach um, really, when we change the language, does exactly what Jesse is talking about in IEP meetings. We can frame language. And you know what it also does? By the way, this is huge. By talking about this approach and also talking about the challenges, we can provide the right accommodations. But yes. when we look through a lens of deficits, what ends up happening is that it withholds even the conversation of what accommodations are needed. Because what we're doing is we're saying, we got to fix this child because it got deficits. And then it withholds any conversation about changing the environment. And changing the uh, accommodations. That's a good point because another part of a strengths-based approach is it's not just about the child; it's about the environment that they're in. And we were talking about this on our team meeting this morning. Is that like your ceiling is only as high as you create one? You create your own ceiling, or you don't have a ceiling at all. You know, so it's like you put a plant in a box. And it's not going to grow any bigger than being in that box. Whereas you go put it in the wild and it could grow, who knows, right? But it's this idea that we have to have the support in place and in our environment. So that's another big piece of creating a, a strengths-based approach and plan for a child is making sure that the environment supports that as well. Yeah, it's like the pot and plant in the pot. You hand it to a child and then you say, hey... Okay, so you're a little clumsy and you uh, are not very good at this. So when you put that pot on top of there, um, don't break it. And then the, the child says, okay. And you say, no, no, don't break it. And then three more times you tell them, don't break it. You, you're clumsy. You're going to break it. What do you think is going to happen to the pot? That's right. They are told so many times over and over that they can't do it. Things break. That's the reality with how life works. But if you support and encourage, hey, you know what? Um, when you're walking over there, um, you know, I noticed last time you were really paying attention to your steps and you did a great job by placing the scissors up on top. And I think that you're going to do a great job this time. Boom, we're gotten them with strengths based. And guess what's going to happen to that pot? It's still going to break, but <laughs> <laughs> because that's inevitable. But at least you tried. <laughs> no, the pot stays nice and safe. Well, I will say, you know, that this, he does practice what he preaches. This is speech oh, dad yeah. in action right here. That stuff you, 
you actually do that stuff on a daily basis with the kids. And here's the thing too, when working with parents and working with students and clients, that's always the thing too. It's like we coach parents, we coach the IEP team members, we coach others um, and we guide them with, you know, not expectations, but just support the same way we would want as what we would do as parents. Like I don't go and talk about this stuff here um, and do these live events with Jesse. If I wasn't doing it myself, you know, we, we really do practice these types of things because um, what I would want for families and their kids are the same things as what I would want for what I have with, with Jesse. So um, I'm constantly using a strengths-based approach when Jesse does something wrong at the house. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot. Oh, man. So um, I kind of want, I didn't even tell Jesse what I was um, writing down earlier, but I kind of wanted to pitch it because it's pretty good. And oh, so, um, And so I wanted to give you a quick, very, very brief scenario of a young boy, an autistic boy. Okay for, um, for now, this is only going to be a minute long. And it's, um, a, I'm, I drafted a deficit based description of this young boy. He's autistic and followed it up with a strengths based, um, description for you guys. And I absolutely think you're going to love this. So for those of you listening and those of you watching right now, you're just going to love this. I, so this I have will a feeling. be a example of something maybe you would see in a report. You might see this in a report. report or you might see this in the present levels page of the IEP or just any description when it comes to describing an autistic person. Okay. And so um, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about Bruno. <laughs> Little Bruno. Okay. Young boy named Bruno. We don't talk about him. We don't talk about Bruno. Okay, here we go. Bruno is a joyful little boy. He demonstrates difficulties within the classroom setting, though, especially when he lines up big blocks. He has repetitive behavior and tends to walk backwards, which comes off as odd to his classmates. He is rigid in his thinking and gets upset when his schedule is changed. His emotional state shows when he's upset. Bruno's deficits would be best targeted in small group to help him generalize concepts. Now, does that sound like something you might have heard in a report or maybe some of the language possibly that we've seen in a deficits-based report or a description? Absolutely, right? So um, with that being said, there actually is a boy named Bruno, and he's a young boy, and he's the name of the autistic train in Thomas the Train. And they have a description of the boy Bruno in Thomas the Train. So I want you to listen in to what Mattel wrote about their description of the boy, of them. Brufo is a joyful, pun-making brake car. He is great at his job and keeps big, heavy cargo steady with the strong brakes. A vital role in Thomas and Friends. All engines go. Bruno rolls in reverse at the end of the train which gives him a unique perspective on the world. Detail-oriented Bruno enjoys schedules, routine, and knows where all the tracks lead on solder. Bruno has stairs and a lantern on his bright red exterior that indicate his emotional state, moving when he is excited or cautious. Bruno's best day is one spent with his friends who love and respect him for who he is. 
just as he loves them back. Isn't that great? You're like, am I great or what? That was a great interpretation. <laughs> That's why you tuned in because you wanted to hear this brilliance. Um, so that we, was great. You know, it is great because when I saw that description, I said, holy guacamole. That is exactly how we would want to describe it in a strengths-based approach. Matter of fact, I did my research and I said, who did they hire to help support Mattel in the description writing here. And they hired Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, which is a very prominent group um, who is all about supporting the neurodiversity um, movement. And um, they're all autistic advocates within that organization. So that tells you something. The organization that they chose was the right one. The language they used was the right one. And I wanted to uh, conclude with saying that oftentimes when it comes to characters, and um, people in movies that are portrayed as being autistic are played by non-autistic people. Little boy Bruno in Thomas the Train is actually a nine-year-old autistic boy that they have as the voice. And so I think that's what it's all about is you also make this world inclusive by hiring those with disabilities to play the roles. And so just all sorts of wins all around and I just think that's uh, a great thing. So, um, and so I thought that would be a good way to kind of conclude our show for today. I hope that gives you a good picture though of a strengths-based description, strengths-based ideas and concepts. One of the last thing uh, that I do want to share too is that when we do have discussions and we talk about these things with parents, we constantly remind ourselves that we're not experts, any of us, our jobs, our coaches. And when you can see yourself as a coach, then you can you can really balance it out by supporting the parents and feeling like their input is as as much important as anybody else's. That is huge. Yeah, or more. Or more. Well, their input <laughs> is absolutely more. But when you come in and say, hey, don't worry, I got this. I'm the expert, yeah. then it comes across as shutting down the parents. So remember the language you use is huge. Yeah. Remember the way that we can describe our students will direct the outcome and the outcome being happy kids, happy clients, happy families um, with purpose, meaning, autonomy, and all sorts of uh, greatness. And that's what it's about. And that concludes your TED Talk. Yes, that's that concludes my TED Talk. Um, next week, I'll be in Chicago. Uh, or no, I'll be in Madison Square Garden. Uh, <laughs> tickets are right now $8,000. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but thank you guys for coming we're very excited if any of you will be in colorado we will see you there and i made this announcement on my social media yesterday that we have a brand new parent master class by we i mean me and my team not chris but maybe one day yeah i'm not part of that we'll do more together soon yeah but i have a sensory master class for parents who want to learn more about how to support their kids sensory needs and communication and that is coming up so i'll go ahead and put the link to that in this description too if you want to come it is free if i didn't say that yep and as you probably already know i have a neurodiversity affirming iep course in module five i talk with video examples about the topic we just talked about um and handouts to support parents because if you get parents that might have a little bit of pushback and say no 
who still want some of these social skills interventions and deficits. I have the language and the handouts and the research to help support you. So check it out. As always, you know, Jesse and I want you to, to stay cool and be legendary. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See ya. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.